We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. This is a Friday Fives edition where we do five takeaways from the week and five things to look forward to. Last week, there was nothing to look forward to. We just decided to shit on the team because they took a shit on the mound and shit on the field. Anyway, this week, they swept the Rangers like they were supposed to do to the Cleveland baseball organization. Let's put what's in the past in the past and look at what's coming up ahead Big-ass series, big-ass series against the Red Sox, big series against against the Blue Jays, though. Scott, how are you feeling this week? I mean, the playoffs start right now, right? That's, that's oh, what it is. Oh, they've been, I mean, the playoffs have been started. Yeah, but the real, the actual playoffs, I mean, this is, this is these are essentially play-in series, both of them. Mm-hmm. And then you have Tampa yeah. at the end, who would love to ruin, ruin the, uh, the parade, although they may just be a grown up at this point and just not give a not give an F. Yeah, you know. Well, like, Tampa's going to be in a unique unique situation because they, in essence, are deciding who they play in the American League Division Series. Yeah, that's true. But huge series against Boston, huge series against Tampa or uh, Toronto. So it's going to be fun. Like it's all it's all on the line here. Obviously, the whole backs against the wall. Every all the cliches you can put about no more slipping up, no more mistakes, no more uh, 
this is where the talent has to shine. So they took care of business with uh, with Texas. That's that's what they had to do, and and they did it. So they did it. Yeah, they they couldn't do it against Cleveland, and I thought that was going to be sort of like a final nail in the coffin. It's like, okay, if you're not going to be able to beat Cleveland, what are we even doing here? But don't you know just, that the nails in the coffin don't exist? They I don't know. Exist. I feel like these these na- <laughs> do you, you? I don't know. I just thought of this reference. You seen Kill Bill? Yes, not in a long time, though. When Uma Thurman punches her way out of the coffin. <laughs> it's like, that's what the Yankees are doing. It's yeah, like, that is, that's pretty much all hope is lost, but they're just somehow slamming against the top of the coffin trying to jam their way out. All right, let's start with takeaways. The first one, Sevy, he's back, baby. He's back on the mound through two innings after missing 707 days. The last time we saw him on the mound was the 2019 ALCS. Um, he's going to be a reliever. So we, we figured that after all of his setbacks and everything like that, the, the long laundry list of injuries. But if he can be a reliever and if he can be an effective reliever, it's good to have him back because he's better than a lot of the other slop they got coming out of the bullpen. They, he's going to be, I mean, he threw two innings on his first outing. First of all, I mean, it's awesome to see Sevy back. When, when, when he came out there, it was, a, it was surreal when, when they said, 707 days it's like whoa that's a you gotta do a double take to that one like that's a really long time Isn't that almost exactly how long jameson tyon was out for some it's, reasons seven like 700 days right? it's a lot that's of days it. it's a lot of days between between being on the mound in uh in a yankee uniform for him to to all of a sudden uh to show up but he looked good there was a lot of energy there i'm sure that the adrenaline was just you know coming out of his uh out of his pores but he looked good. I mean, he looked he looked damn good. And it was very, very nice to see him on that mound. So just seeing Sevy out there gives you, you know, that little bit of extraness in your in the hope factor of things. I understand they have to win a lot of games in these next two, three series, but having him out there and him throwing two innings in the first time he's out there, that just that just gives me a little bit more thought that he's going to be able to be stretched out even further and I wouldn't wouldn't would not be surprised if we saw him throwing for you know more than two innings and, and progressively stretching it out so yeah he's a bullpen arm right now but I wasn't I was not expecting him to go two innings in that first one especially in the rain that's I did not think they were going to bring him back out in that well in that, that that's the thing it's like they they you trotting him back out there in the rain it's like oh great here we go he's going to slip on the mound or something stupid because that seems to be what happens with him but uh, no, but two innings is pretty much what he's been doing as he's working working his way back. Sure. So I feel like they're just trying to keep that consistent. I don't know if they have plans to build him back up. Like, what's the point of building him from two innings to three innings? It, actually, that might not be good because then, in theory, if he's a one to a one-plus inning reliever, he can be used multiple times in a short series. If he's a three-inning pitcher... He really can't be used multiple times in a short series. Depends on how many pitches he throws within those two innings, but fine. Yeah, whether it's two to three innings, whatever we get out of him is a good thing because they're going to need people coming in behind whoever starts a game. And you get Sevy for two innings, take te- I will take Sevy for two innings. If I get Sevy for one inning, then that's better than anybody else out there. Yeah, it was it was an easy way to ease him back in aside from the rain just, you know, the opponent and, and the game situation. So that was good. Second takeaway, and it's a question related to the bullpen. Do you think the Yankees are now regretting dumping Luis Sessa basically for salary relief? Because the guy's been freaking unhittable with Cincinnati. 20 innings, uh, stats with Cincinnati. 
20 and two-thirds innings, 1.31 ERA, 0.77 whip, 17 strikeouts, only one walk, a 203 opponent batting average, and he's retired 25 batters in a row. <laughs> I've always been a Luis Sessa guy. I've never been shy to, to talk about that. Always been Tyler Wade guy, too, and look at him now. Look, the the guy is is turned into a good pitcher. I, I've seen the, the chirping on Twitter about him not being in big situations in the in the Bronx. That's not not true. That's pretty also pretty accurate. Uh, but he also was effective in everything he did. I think he had a two sum ERA while he was with the Yankees even this year. But yeah, it's just frustrating when you see the way that it went down and how it went down and why it went down uh, to get rid of a guy like that. And and now you look at the bullpen and there's uh, there's just a lot of of uh, there's a lot to be desired. And while Luis, the reason I was like fine with it at one point, or at least I was, I had come to terms with it, was because, first of all, I'm not overreacting to Luis Sessa either. Let's just get that straight. He's become a, a pretty good pitcher, um, but he was just never used in any leverage situations anyway. So that that's the thing. And and they were not going to resign him. They were going to lose him. <laughs> so yes, it looked like a salary dump, and it was ish. But it, I don't think he was going to be back either way anyway. It wasn't just his salary they were dumping. They also traded Justin Wilson's salary yes. to the Reds. And that's really what it was. You have to trade something. No, that's what value. I mean. That was the dump. It was not Luis Sessa's well, salary. Luis Sessa was a million no, whatever. No, it was, it was Wilson's salary. That was the reason it went down. I know that. But what what whether it's whatever it is, it's a few million bucks that the Yankees didn't want to spend. And to not spend that, they gave up on a pitcher that could have helped them this year. And yes. when, you're a fan, when you're the New York Yankees, that sh- you should not really be in a position where you have to choose between having a pitcher that can contribute to saving a few dollars on the luxury tax. Well, Those if you sh- remember, at, at the time, they, they also acquired Chase Holmes. And when he came in, we're like, oh, okay, you know, that's, that's a, a one-for-one here. This guy's right. good. We, he's, he's controlled now because he's under, in arbitration. But at the same time, you could have them both for this year. Right. And, and you know, it's not like we just replaced one guy with another. They needed extra bodies. They needed extra people to pitch out there. Luis Sess is also a guy that, that you know, has is stretched out a bit and, or can be stretched out and and has, um, you know, gone multiple innings. So he, he was just a, a, an asset that they, that they didn't need to get rid of. And at the time of the trade, it was for a player to be named later. And on August 30th, the Reds sent Jason Parker Okay, have a more generic name, but the uh, Yankees, the Yankees thought that you know Britain was going to be there. They thought that um, Chad Green wasn't going to melt down after meltdown. Loisico wasn't injured, so there was a little bit more depth in the bullpen than yeah. But actually, de- I mean, came guys get hurt all the time. So of course, guys get ha- hurt all the time, and we we even said at the time, like I don't feel great about this because Luis Sessa was pitching pretty well. That's the thing. He was pitching. They got rid of a guy who was pitching well. So it was it was one of those things. Look, is what it is. It's in the past. It's it's already gone. But yes, when you look back at a guy, and because he's been all over Twitter with the, the Cincinnatians, maybe it's because Yankees fans are oh, also Yankees retweeting are, it, and that's why are, it's visible to us. But um, we love he's been we pitching love really well. And we it, love to yeah. torture ourselves with that kind of crap. It's like, oh, look what this guy that we gave up on. And the the list is long of it, arms that the Yankees have given up and that had success in the bullpen elsewhere. It goes back to, well, I could say the same thing about guys that, that you know, we have come over and had success as well because there have You're been right. guys maybe that have come over with success. Maybe it's even when you tally it all up. It's probably, you know, a one for one, but think about like Kirby Yates went on to have some success. Giovanni Gallegos went on to have some success. Like all of these guys and names and arms that it's like, yeah, who is this guy? Who cares? Oh, Brian Cashman's trading him. Ninja Cashman's trading him for for this player at the deadline. It's like 
then you look up a calendar year later and the guy's got a 159 ERA out of the bullpen in the National League. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And no, it's it is it's it's uh it's it's frustrating, but it is what it is. And the whole thing is that it goes back to the the quote luxury tax, the salary cap. That That's the most frustrating. That's part the reason of it happened. That's the reason. That's an annoying reason. Uh number three, or else Chapman. You know, we've we've ragged on him, I think deservingly. But since July 6th, I mean, it's a convenient date to pick because I believe on like July 5th, he allowed like seven runs. <laughs> so, or it was like in, the, in that week leading up to July 6th, remember he had the meltdown to Anaheim and the meltdown to the Mets. So it's just like you extend this this window like two more days and his stats don't Why look so good anymore. Why would you do We have to look, yeah. Well, look I'll, do it. I'll do that when it's convenient. And right now it's not convenient. It's convenient to look at July 6th and on. He's got 23 and two thirds innings pitched and he's got a 1.90 ERA. Now, maybe he's been getting a little lucky. His FIP is 3.42, but he's got, what is that? What does that say, Scott? Six walks per nine. Six walks per nine innings. Yeah, that's a lot of walks. That's, a, that's, 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 as soon as I went down the line, my, my, my eyes just completely stopped dead uh, uh, on the walks per, uh, per nine innings. Yeah, that's 16, a lot. 16 strikeouts guys. per nine innings. Good. Eight walks per nine or six walks per nine innings. Bad. The problem with that is it's going to, this week, he It'll bite him in the people. ass. It'll bite him in the ass at some week. point. Yeah. You can walk people against the Orioles and the Rangers and the Indians, but you can't walk people when you're playing good teams that in games that matter. So the pressure is just going to tick up and it, on the road. So, I mean, I guess the takeaway here is that it's good that Aroldis Chapman has been better, but I still don't feel super comfortable when he comes in a game. What about you? I mean, nobody feels comfortable in any position because the Yankees play these tight games. And I mean, I was I was like holding my breath when Chad Green came in the other day. Oh, but it yeah. worked out. He pitched well. It's suppo- like it's going to come around, right? Because he's been so bad, but he's not actually that bad. He's not supposed to be that bad. He's the, the talent. We've seen him very, very good. In fact, many times when Yankees players were asked who's got the best fastball on the team, a lot of them said Chad Green, best fastball on the team. And that was when Chapman and Britton and everybody else is going going right. Was that so, before Garrett Cole's on the on the team? Yeah, before Garrett Cole was on the team. But even still, like he's, you know, talking about the bullpen, like the guy's got electric stuff. So, you know, hopefully he can he can uh, put that in the past. He can't get much worse. But yes, there's there's always that uncertainty uh, with with the guys that were rolling out there. But so the fourth takeaway, something that was going around the Yankees Twitter sphere this week, is people bitching that Luke Voigt's not getting in the lineup enough. If you look at September playing time, Luke Voigt has 47 plate appearances and he's got a 100 WRC plus, so exactly league average. Anthony Rizzo has 77 plate appearances. So what's quick math, Scott, on that? How many more plate appearances is that? It's a, it's a lot more play. It's 30. 30. <laughs> 30. You did it uh, to a 112 WRC plus. So good amount more playing time for Anthony Rizzo. Do A couple questions here. Do you like that Anthony Rizzo is getting almost 2x the amount of playing time? Do you think the Yankees are going about this in the right way? Do you like what do you think they should do going forward because people are looking at Voigt's numbers since coming off the IL and it's a lot better than a 100 WRC plus. But he in September has been pretty average and he made that throwing error on Wednesday night that cost the Yankees a run. He's never been a good fielder. We know he's not a good fielder. So regardless of whether Luke Voigt starts the game at first base or not, I don't want him ending the game at first base. 
Yeah, and that and that limits what you can do with Rizzo. You have to sit him at that point. And I mean, Judge has been DHing the past couple of nights. They're probably just giving him some break out there. Um, when Stanton's in the field, you have to make it. You have to make a choice. Uh, I'm sorry. When Stanton's DHing, you have to make a choice. Basically, who's going to play of those guys? Because then you can't have one of them DH. So, and here's the other thing: is that when you're looking at the matchups and 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 you look at their splits, Rizzo hits left-handed pitching well. So it's not even as easy as saying, okay, you know, against. Right, right-handed, uh, right-handed guys. You play uh, Rizzo, and against lefties, you play Voit. It's not that easy because Rizzo has good splits against uh, against left-handers. So, and I mean, the, as a defender, it's not even close. So, you want Rizzo in the game. He's producing at a at a higher level. Uh, I, look, I, you could you could have a problem with however way they do it. the 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 issue is that that DH spot will clog up. They are trying to keep guys relatively. Rested, I think, with the DH and use that as a as a rotation. To your, po- to your point about the DH, though, I mean, what's the point of resting at this point? You have nine games left, and like you said, they're all playoff games at this point. What's the no, rest? I mean, what, what, up up till this point, I mean, Judge was on was DHing the last couple nights. I mean, you know, maybe that's been in okay. Uh, in preparation starting for this. Friday night, starting Friday night in Boston, Stanton in, Stan in the outfield, void at DH in, until the until you're no longer playing baseball. Seriously, what do you 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 yeah, rest your guys? Not going to do that. Well, they're fucking morons then, because you rest your guys from April until the middle of September. So if you're in a race for the wild card or the playoffs, you can then play them every day down the stretch, right? What's the point of resting them otherwise? I mean, first of all, relax because nobody's rested yet, and and two, Stan, I already know they're going to be maybe the, yeah. That's I what know Stan's not going to be in the lineup on Saturday because he played Friday night in the outfield. Well, no, he'll DH. You well, think he'll he's going to be. You, but you know what I mean. He'll he'll be DHing or it's not going to be. Here's the thing: it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You you can you can also look down the line too and at, at who's pitching. And if you have an opportunity for a guy that has bad numbers against a particular pitcher between Rizzo and and Voight, like it doesn't even matter as well. You you can figure that out with the DH spot. You know, Fenway actually pre- and and you might want to also think, yeah, de- uh, defense defense wise, who do you want huh. in center at Fenway? Well, so right field's the hardest position at Fenway outfield, actually. Um, you and have to know the ter- they're all they're all none of them are easy. They're all weird, and not, none of them are easy. You're right, but right field is not a normal right field at Fenway Park. So this pro- provides not provides this presents a unique situation for the Yankees because if you have Judd in center, that means Gallo's probably in left and Stanton's probably in right. But I don't think that's your optimal defense for Fenway Park. I would actually put Judge in right field, Gallo in center field. Well, they're not playing Gallo in center. They've they've pretty much made that clear. Like he's not been playing center field. So. I know, but that's what I. I they're would not going to throw him into Rig, into Wrigley into um, Fenway Park in center field. Well, then they're going to play Gardner. Do, Gardner well, is the okay, guy who's so played there a billion gonna, times. Then it's he not going to be. He knows it. It's, I, defensively, I, he's the best center fielder on this team in Fenway well, Park. Of of course, he's the best center fielder on this team at, at Yellowstone Park. Never mind Fenway Park. But he's not the best offensive is next, player. Is that next year's field of dream? Is that is that next that's, year's field of dream? At no, that's where they're no, they're playing the All Star game there next year. Oh, yeah, nice thin air. Um, but but I, I I don't want Brett Gardner starting on Friday night. I'll have what? Brett Gardner come in I, in a close. I got game. no problem with Brett Gardner starting. He's a, he's I mean he's been he's been one of the best. He he, he seemingly has been one of the better Yankees uh, since he's. Um, it, this is not really test. a like, the guy on, hasn't been playing poorly. He's been playing good defense. He's been getting on base. He's been hitting home runs. Give me gritty ass Brett Gardner at this point. He's got nothing to lose uh, and who has more intensity and competitiveness than 
practically everybody and then they're you know in his little finger than they all do I'll, i have no problem with brett gardner playing okay at this point in the year i mean i don't have a problem with him playing in a vacuum but no I he's gonna play if, at fenway and bat him third <laughs> no i thought it was yellowstone I guess I was just deciding between okay, it's if Brett Gardner plays, that mean Luke, means Luke Voigt doesn't play. That's basically the trade-off, or Rizzo. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Gallo, he's been hot and he's got a two forty-nine, which is just silly. Uh, WRC plus since September tenth. It's a small-ish sample, but he's got s- uh, seven home runs since September tenth and just thirty-seven plate appearances. So we might be catching Gallo at one of those hot streaks at the right time. Yeah, it's just a matter of how long that lasts until the next like stone cold streak is, because you know that's around the corner as well. So, I, you know, we don't have enough uh, we don't have enough time or, or um, experience with Gallo to see you know how long these cold and hot streaks last. The cold streak lasted pretty good pretty good amount of time. Uh, I can't imagine the hot streak lasting the the same amount of time. And as we know, there's no in between. So, we we uh, hopefully he can he can stretch this thing out, you know, and, and keep it going because yeah, he's been playing really well. I bet Rangers fans are looking at this like just just wait until next Wednesday, guys, and then and then he's done. That that's how long the Gallo hot streaks last. Like they know yeah, exactly. They're probably the exactly. They were they were actually on the clock. They're like, um, we're playing them on uh, the, the the you know at the end of September, and he'll probably be cold again. But I, look, he's when you see I, when that, he's uh, hot, you see why it's like yes. oh shit, oh yeah. shit, this guy dude gets fired. Up too on the that that video that turned into a gif of uh, all of them celebrating um, in the dugout when uh, when who hit somebody hit the home run Gary Sanchez when he hit the home run I mean fires me up when I watch that every single time Gallo just lets the emotion fly isn't Gallo's hair jarring every time he takes his hat or helmet off it, he makes it like that he's got like the flip down <laughs> I know, he, he, I know. he does that on, on purpose it's, it's part of the effect it's part it's part of the Gallo experience yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, looking ahead, we actually have some things to look ahead to. Who do you want catching down the stretch and potentially in the wild card game into the wild card into the playoffs? Kay made an interesting note on the broadcast on Wednesday when Kluber was pitching. He casually slipped in. Well, it seems like Kyle Higashioka has worked his way into being the personal catcher for Kyle for Corey Kluber. And I'm sitting there making dinner and I just look over my shoulder. I'm like, oh. Oh, has he now? Okay. Now we've got two-fifths of the starting rotation with a personal catcher. Only need three-fifths, and then it can't be a personal catcher anymore. Then he's just the starting catcher. As soon as he said that, I, that was like, this is here we go. The, the personal catcher phrase was used. Why did Kay have to do this to me? Um, you you know, knew I was going to talk about it. Yeah, who do, I, who do I want starting? I want Gary Sanchez starting because he's got the most upside. That's who I want starting. When Garrett Cole's going to pitch, Kyle Higgy is going to be the catcher. <laughs> you still, you I'm still not. I'm not even going to attempt it anymore. I screw it up every time. And for to to uh, you know to his fairness, and I, I like him as a as a as a player as a man. I'm going to give him the uh, the courtesy of saying Higgy. Um, we know when when he's going to catch. So it, there's really actually not much left to to be thought about, right? We know when he's going to catch, and we know when Gary's going to catch. What was the point of starting Gary Sanchez on opening day with Garrett Cole if they had no intent on actually having Gary Sanchez catch Garrett Cole this year? Because you can't say that there was no intent. They start off on the on the right foot. One He's game the starter. They gave He's they the gave starter. him one game. They gave him one game. Yeah, I don't know. It's stupid. The, the, we've talked about uh, talked about this at nauseum. You got to prepare and play the guy during the season and get that chemistry between the two of them going at some point. Because what happens now, and this is exactly the situation we're in, if Gary Sanchez is, you know, goes on one of these hot streaks offensively, which we know he can, and you know he's thrown out guys like if he be if he all of a sudden shines as one of the best catchers in baseball, which he's got that ability, and he does in times will will show that, then you have no choice but to not play him during the uh, during the outings for Cole and maybe Kluber if if it's if it's as set as Case says it is, but. You, this is the problem. This is the exact situation you run into when this is an all-season thing and you don't get reps with the other guys. Uh, the other, the alternative is to throw them out there together and you know risk the fact that they're not on the same page. That one of them is not going to be the best of their ability. Um, you uh, you 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 then put into play cross-ups. You, there's just a whole bunch of things that you don't want to happen because guys need reps together. 
It's just they not just, a great situation. It's just shitty managing is what it is. It's just shitty managing. It's shitty everything. It's just so obvious that they had no intent of ha- having Gary Sanchez catch Garrett Cole this year. They knew from spring training, Higgy is Garrett Cole's catcher. But for appearances sake, or to get the media off our back as if it was going to get them off their back, we're going to have Gary Sanchez catch on opening day. And of course, Garrett Cole has to throw on opening day. He's the ace. But game two that he pitches, it's going to be Higgy. As if it was going to fool everyone into thinking, oh, no, 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 this isn't a personal catcher. It's just every game since opening day. And then minus the time that Higgy spent on the COVID IL. Here's the difference. If you start Higgy on opening day, he is the starting catcher. The narrative that he's okay, the starting so catcher. It's, I don't it's even because think of the Yankees day. have a if starting Cole catcher. On, if Garrett Cole pitched on the second game of the season, I bet they would have pl- uh, played Higgy. You are, you're right. But I don't, would you say the Yankees have a starting catcher? Who's their starting catcher? It's, I mean, it's Gary Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, well, you could but break could, down the numbers and do it. He's okay. got double the at-bats. Yeah, but conceivably... The Yankees He's got make double the, the at-bats. It's a fact. Conceivably, the Yankees make the wild card, right? They make the wild card. Garrett Cole's pitching. So you're maybe one and only playoff game. Your starting catcher doesn't play. Correct. That is correct. Okay. Um, number two. Looking forward to the fact that this is probably the biggest Yankees-Red Sox series in a long time. Probably since the 2018 playoffs but certainly the biggest regular season series in a long time. Maybe some people will point to London because of like the, the circumstances around that. But as far as implications on the standings, I don't know how you get any bigger than this. Red Sox have won seven games in a row. They've got a two-game lead in the wild card over the Yankees. The Yankees are in the second wild card spot. I screenshot the notification that my phone sent me at 11.03 p.m. last night. You see this? Yankees in second wild card, as if they've clinched the second wild card. Hey, MLB app, they're in the second wild card today. They could be out of it tomorrow. Don't send me that notification. Well, they 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 just assume you're not dumb, and they you understand that there's three series left in in the season, so that you know a lot where of dumb they people are. out there, Scott, that have well, MLB those those people went to the app, didn't they? It worked. <laughs> but the Yankees are six and ten against Boston this year. Which means no matter what they do this weekend, they could sweep them. The best they can do is 9-10 and 10 against the Red Sox. And so if they finish tied this season, the wildcard game still happens at Fenway Park. Yeah, so what they're, what they're looking to do, the Yankees, is... They're not trying to... I don't... Look, they're obviously trying to win all these games, but they're, they're scoreboard watching as well uh, into seeing what Toronto does. Because if they lose a game and Toronto loses a game, they're fine. Because they realize that not catching the Red Sox in that spot. To be it doesn't matter if they do, right? So You just have to be better than one of them. Just got to be better than one of them. That's it. So it, really what this boils down to is you got to be better than Toronto. Yeah, because I think two games with nine to play, even if you sweep the Red Sox, yes, you're a game up. You still, I mean, I, it's doable to to finish ahead of them, but it's probably unlikely because you win, even if you win two out of three, you only gain a game. Right, so then you're down one with six to play, which which so, is still feasible. Like, of course, it's feasible. Look, the Red Sox can lose. Again, they collapsed before. It's happened. You've before. got to you've got to make you're really essentially you're down three to the Red Sox, okay? Because they have the tiebreaker, okay? 
So if, if you're the second wild card or they're the second wild card, you're playing them either way. The only way you're playing the game at home is if you finish one game ahead of them in the standings. So if you leave Fenway Park on Sunday, having won two out of three and you're down a game, you really have to gain up gain two more games in order to have it mean anything. Because right. what's the point of tying them? They get the game at home. Exactly. That's my point. So, and what the Red Sox have to look forward to after that series is they play Toronto three times and then they play Washington three times. So they they have one hard have, series. The Yankees have two hard series after them. Yeah, I mean, hardish series, but the thing is, is they yeah, they're they're positioned to to not lose very many games. So yeah, you're really you you either sweep or you're you're not catching the Red Sox is is what it looks like. And and from there, you have to beat the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. And it does depend on what happens this uh while the Blue Jays are are playing, because they're playing Minnesota. For, they're playing Minnesota today. They have uh, four games against Minnesota. And then after the Yankees, they play They're Baltimore. playing Minnesota tonight, right? Yeah, they have four games. So if they play tonight, yeah, where so, the Yankees are So off. as people are listening to this, it's likely that the Yankees and, Ra- and, and Blue Jays are tied in the standings. If they beat the, the, twins to- tonight. Uh, the Minnesota Twins. They've been losing to the Twins, though, haven't they? Yeah, they lost. Oh, they, they, they won. Oh, they three. lost to they Tampa. They lost the first game of the series. They lost to Tampa this week. Um which we'll talk about in a second, that that beef. But quickly, I want to also, one thing I'm looking forward to this weekend is how does Garrett, what is Garrett Cole right now? Is he is he healthy? Is his hamstring okay? He had a bad start against Cleveland on Sunday, and he's been bad all year against the Red Sox. He's got a 5.06 ERA in 16 inning, innings pitched, nine earned runs, 19 hits allowed uh, against the Red Sox this year. What is Garrett Cole right now? Because it doesn't, frankly, if Garrett Cole's not healthy right now, pack it in. What's the point? Well, yeah, and he's got to win games. I mean, he's got to win this game. Uh, looking for him to win this game, got to win against Toronto as well before anything even matters potentially. Too. It just dawned on me to do this. Let's do a little calendar. So he's they're pitching. also playing Avaldi. Avaldi's pitching on Friday night, and Avaldi's been shoving bats up the Yankees' asses all year. So not an easy task here because of 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 what's going on. And uh, Nestor so, on Saturday Garrett- and Monty on Sunday. We did Nestor dirty uh, last episode. We didn't mention him in the uh, in the ifs and like who would be pitching in the playoffs. Um, anyway, Garrett Cole's pitching Friday the twenty fourth. Five days from there would be uh, one, two, three, four. Uh, Wednesday the 29th against Toronto, and then five days from there would be um, oh, this is like Mike Francesa. One, two, three. <laughs> One, two, three, four. He would line up for the wild card game. So you'd only need to bump him up to say if you need to win to get into the wild card game Sunday on the last day of the season against Tampa. And then in which case he would not be available for the wild card game start. Let's just worry about the the you know the next two starts, which are definitely happening against the Red Sox tomorrow night and against the Toronto Blue Jays. The man's got to go out there and pitch like the ace that that they signed him for. Um, so I think what we'll see tomorrow night is if he's healthy or not, because I think if he's healthy, if he's feeling 100%, there's no reason why he can't go out there and pitch, you know, seven strong innings. There's no reason for it, right? This is exactly what he should be doing. So I think we're going to find out if he's healthy tomorrow night. That's what we're going to find out. We know he's got the, we know he's got the nuts up that he, he can, he can nut up to, to a performance like this. He's done it before. He's got, He's got the God-given ability. Everybody knows that. He's got the he's got the stuff. He's got the, you know, the the mentality for it. It's a matter of I think if he's healthy or not. Because if he's not, 
if he's not healthy or his body's starting to wear down um, uh, because of these injuries as the start is is progressing, then you're going to start to see problems. And um, and Boston's offense is just going to jump on you. So we'll we'll see. I'm very hopeful that he's healthy because if he is, I'm expecting a good pitching performance. So one thing that isn't really uh, directly related to the Yankees, but indirectly it is, is the little beef that the Rays and the Jays had this week with Kiermaier getting plunked after he accidentally, in air quotes, picked up one of the scouting cards that was dropped by a Blue Jay. Um, Kiermaier said he thought it was one of his own teammates, which is why he picked it up. The Blue Jays saw it as him trying to get some insider information. Kevin Kiermaier did not apologize, as Kevin Kiermaier is one to do. And as the Rays are to do, they are the rats. And they I've said this before. They play the rat card very, very well. And uh, why, why would he apologize for picking up trash in the outfield what, or on the way? <laughs> why, why would he apologize for that? And, and if it so happened to be a card that was from an outfielder, like, don't drop your shit. Why is he going to go walk over there and give it back to them? Oh, here you go. You dropped this. This this ridiculous. It's a ridiculous concept to even think about the fact that he would just like pick it up and, and then just go give it back to them. Don't drop it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it hey, was give, a, hey, give it back. Give it back. <laughs> it's just so, so childish. It's one of the things that the Rays will use this, right? The Rays use these sorts of things to go on runs. We've seen them do it against the Yankees. So if they need to use anything as extra motivation, they're good at doing that. I don't know if that's Kevin Cash who can just orchestrate that or if that's just sort of like the underdog mentality that the, the Rays players seemingly all have. You slight them, even if it's not a slight, they take it as a slight, they use it as bulletin board material, and they use it to win baseball games. Well, that's because they're not big stars. That's why they they do that on purpose. They do have Nelson Cruz. They have number one prospect in baseball who's, um, you know, playing playing real baseball, who who can hit as well as anybody. They, they're loaded. They are loaded. So this is this just goes back to, you know, when we were doing our preseason prediction, looking at the guys that they lost. Are we talking about any of those pitchers at this point? No, it doesn't matter because what the Rays do is they just reload. They just reload. They bring in a bunch of wanderers as well and they reload. And then they bring up guys from the minor leagues and they reload. And then they trade one of their impact bullpen guys at the trade deadline and they reload. It's just, they're such a well-run organization. It drives me insane. It really does not matter what the names are. As far as no. the, on the pitching side, anyway. Well, no, it, it, it does. Have, it does because they have vetted the names. It matters to them because they know who they have. But from it's everybody our else. They're not looking for big names for baseball right. fans. We, we looked in the offseason and we were like, well, they traded Blake Snell. He's a former Cy Young winner. And they they didn't re-sign um, Charlie Morton. And he's a, a whatever you want. He's a veteran big game pitcher. They have to get worse. That's what we said because we saw the names. I did not say that. No, no, no. You keep saying, you always say we and bring me into shit. I said, I said they would not miss a beat. I said they would not miss a beat because they will bring somebody else up. When, um, when, uh, what's his name? The the Cy Young uh, Snell. When they when they lost him to injury, they didn't miss a beat. Like the, they they've gone times with Snell where he was not good, and they didn't miss a beat. That these guys are built to not miss a beat. They're ready for that injury or a guy to walk out or a guy to get traded at the deadline. This is what they're built for. They're they're built very well. They're a well-run organization top to bottom. Like the Yankees fans should look at that organization and while it drives us nuts and they were the they're the devil rays, can't disrespect them anymore. 
because they are a real organization that that knows how to not only identify, but groom and develop talent. And I'm green with freaking envy. <laughs> All right. The last thing, this is a callback to an episode we did, uh, I think on Monday, maybe it was the one before, talking about clearly Glaber Torres is not the Yankees' future at shortstop. What is the Yankees' plans at shortstop? There was an article posted on NJ.com this week uh, quoting a, uh, a scout who said Anthony Volpe is the best position player he saw all year. He obviously like skyrocketed up the prospect boards. He ranks, I believe, number 15 overall in MLB Pipeline's top 100 at this point. He is now the Yankees' number one prospect, even ahead of Jason Dominguez. MLB Pipeline puts him at a 2023 ETA. There's a little blurb, and one one takeaway from the blurb I found interesting. Um, it it says while Volpe isn't physically imposing, he's an he's an advanced hitter with a compact right-handed swing. After posting an uncharacteristic 25% strikeout rate in his debut, he has made much more consistent contact during his first full season. His debut, we also have to remember, was 2019. He didn't play in the minors in 2020, as no one did in the minors, and so like. It's just like he's two different people at this point. He's a young guy, so he's probably much more physically developed after that amount of time has passed. And I think like this goes on to say he could be a a twenty homer threat in the majors if things go right for him next year. He could start in Double A. He could be in Triple A. He could be in the majors at some point next year. And the Yankees, I do not think, have to be in on one of these massive 2023 or 2022 free agent shortstops. Yeah, it'll be interesting how they how they address the need at shortstop for for next year. And and you know maybe there's a an option where they can uh, you know pick up somebody as a uh, as a plug in piece or use somebody in the organization. You know maybe maybe we look next year and Urshela starts the year as a shortstop and and he's just the guy in there. It, it also depends if they're willing and willing or not willing to bring him up next year at all because they may just have a hard line and say he's not coming up next year and if they, if that's the case it makes things easier for planning purposes. But it's going to be hard to deny if we see this kid coming up and you know hitting his way through double A cuz you're right, he's in high A right now. If he starts in double A, which most likely he will, uh if he if he if he plays well for a month, month and a half in double A, they're going to put him in triple A. And then it's up to him to break down that door or not. And it's if the Yankees have uh, you know a big name five year new guy out there and at shortstop, that's going to be you know practically impossible to do. So something would have to give. So I don't know how they're going to lock themselves into to, um, a, a long term option at shortstop with him coming up and so highly touted. And who cares about his physical ability? I could care less if he's going to hit twenty home runs. Twenty home runs, fine. Fifteen home runs, fine. Ten home runs, fine. I don't care. You play good defense. You are you have advanced batting skills, as they say. To me, that means he can spray the ball. He's gap to gap. That's the type of hitter, the type of athlete that I want over in that shortstop position for a long period of time. I don't need a power hitter in my shortstop spot. I don't. I don't need that. It's not something I need. We need complementary players. And if that's a guy that's going to be able to do that in the long term, sign me up all day long. I know another shortstop that came up with the Yankees that wasn't very physically imposing as he as he entered into the major leagues. You don't need to be that guy. Eduardo Nunez. Eduardo Nunez, yes. His hat flies off, but, no. but we've had... Uh, I know, just think it's a it's a very risky plan to go into next year. It's extremely saying, risky. Staying yeah. Gio Urshela is our stopgap shortstop. I'm not saying that, that that's what they're going to do, but it's between a short 
a short option, or maybe one of these guys is gets disrespected on the money, and who knows what that what happens with the collective bargaining agreement as well, and they take a a larger um, dollar amount for a shorter amount of deal. time, and it, yeah. yeah, it becomes like a yeah three year deal or something like that. You know, man, Glaber has really put them in a tough position by just not being able to play shortstop. Really has. Yeah, he has, but he's starting to hit. He's hitting better now. He, the guy is, uh, you know, most likely going to be walking in as their second baseman next year, which means they have to do other things to fit other people in. It'll be interesting. Also, you know, the trade market, looking at other options at shortstop potentially for for you know short term uh, for short term solutions or at least mid term solutions, so that if a guy like Volpe does come up and breaks down the door, you can you can make that move. All right. That's going to do it for the Friday Fives. Again, really looking forward to this weekend. Biggest Yankee Red Sox regular season series in a very long time. And we've been saying rivalry needs to heat back up. It starts with playoff implications. That's going to heat the rivalry up right there. You know what's making me nervous here is that <laughs> this is Garrett Cole versus Nathan Avaldi. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, this, is, this is the guy that we went out to get versus the guy that we had that was just, you know, discarded. And now uh, shoves shoves the ball uh, directly up the the other end of the New York Yankees when he comes out and pitches, and it's so help me God if if he comes out there and just you know mows them down, it's going to really make me mad. It's going to be a bad scene among Yankees Twitter if Avaldi pitches like seven innings, one run, and Cole can't get out of the fifth inning. It's going to be a real bad. We're going to be in a bad place, Yankee fans. It's not going to be a good place. And then you have Nest, you have Nestor Cortez coming out on Saturday, um, and you know hopefully he's able to 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 pull some magic out you know of his of his uh, mustache and and can be I able talk to about nasty Nestor for a there. second? So I tweeted the other day. I said I said Nestor Cortez is good until he isn't, and people were being like, "Oh, you can't believe you're complaining about Nestor Cortez." I'm not complaining about Nestor Cortez, but he hits a wall every single game, and it's usually between three and four innings. Okay. So like, no, yeah, that's his, not true. He's gone out and thrown, uh, thrown he has, well. But look at his game logs. It's three and two thirds innings. It's four and a third innings. It's four and two thirds innings of one run ball, two run ball, which is great. But then he hits a wall, and you got to get him out of the game every single time. It's fine. They can manage it. He's helped them immensely. But that's what he is. Recognize what he is and play to that strength. Don't try and turn him into the second coming of Andy Pettit. No, that's true. He's not going to go out there and give you seven shutout dominant innings. Like, that's just not what he is. He pitches around things. He's crafty. He's a guy that's going to come in and be effective. If he could keep his pitch count down, then you might see him get another inning or two out of out of a start. But yeah, he's been phenomenal for the role that he's played. He's he's not your ideal starting pitcher in a situation like that. You Like, I'm happy with everything that he's done. In a, in a perfect he's a, world, he's coming out of the bullpen and and giving them some shutout innings as well. Or you're matching it up. It, it'll be interesting to see how they use Herman. I think down the stretch as well because I think he's a guy uh, that you know has the ability to team up with a with a Nestor Cortez or you know maybe Herman starts and Nestor Cortez comes in like like he was doing uh, with Chad Green when he was the opener in 2019. Was it 19? 20 didn't happen, right? Or ni- maybe it was the beginning of 20. But that combination. Worked. You know, Nestor Cortez has the ability to come out of the bullpen as well. He doesn't have to be a starting pitcher. I have confidence in him coming out of the bullpen too. Yeah, I think his ideal batter's face is like 18 to 21 in a game. Nestor Cortez. Yeah, so we'll see. 
but that's who's pitching on Saturday. So if, if Friday doesn't go right, Friday doesn't go the way that we all need it to go, then it's Nestor Cortez in Fenway Park. That's that's a tough spot after losing the first one with Garrett Cole. We might be setting. Our, you're saying we might be just setting our sights. I'm just on, saying it's a tough on, spot. Look, he's 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 been in that position where he's you know he's pitched effectively. So I have I have confidence that he will. Do you know? That he do you know another thing though? Garrett Cole needs to shut down the Red Sox on Friday if for any reason because if he doesn't, then what are we thinking going into a potential wild card game against them? It's like oh this guy's got a five five ERA against the team this year. He's got beat up every time he's gone out there. That's not going to feel good. You always talk about this feeling good piece of it. When when do you ever feel good or confident about something that that has to do with pinstripes in the New York? I Yankees? think a lot of things. The confidence not, level no, no, seems no. confidence like it's level. Not a I'm thing. also talking about confidence level. So the, if the Red Sox hit Cole on Friday, do you agree that confidence level plays a factor in a batter? Do you think they will have confidence against Garrett Cole? They've hit him pretty much all season, but if he goes out there and shuts them down. Then they got doubt. They have doubt in the back of their mind. Yeah, we hit him early in the season, but he just shut us down last outing. I think. I mean, that's I don't think. It, no, I think these guys are professional baseball players that know that they can hit him because they've done it before. And whether they they got you know they got got by in one particular outing, it's not going to affect their confidence level in the next time. No, I think these guys are professional hitters. They have a very good offense, who at any at any moment could strike for a number of runs. I think they're all very confident. I don't, I don't think that really affects much. Right. I think I think that I worry for Nestor Cortez if they come out of Friday feeling really good against against Cole, um, and then feel really good against. Oh, so you can feel good Cortez. against. You can have confidence and feel good against Cortez. No, just like in a groove, terrible. and just like immediately right after the. You know, there's a little bit of momentum there. Potentially. Oh, there's momentum. Okay, yeah. so you're just saying different words for the same thing. You're, you're spacing it out by weeks. Weeks. I'm saying the next day. Momentum against Nestor Cortez, not against Garrett Cole again. Pitcher, Scott. Right. And I hope Garrett Cole, I hope Nestor Cortez shoves bats down their throats because that would be very satisfying. That would very be satisfying. He gives All a different right. look. I love that. End of the episode. Now we will talk to you on Monday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.